0: amen morning morning you know uh, we all come here uh, (laughs) this morning and we come with deep longings every single one of us does Uh, you know we have these kinda deep desires that that somehow we want fulfilled Uh, somehow we want to be joyful somehow we want to be secure somehow we want God's peace And we just kind of ache for this sense that, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. I think every single one of us deep inside, we just want to know that we're going to be all right, that everything's going to turn out okay. And behind the scenes, no matter how it looks on the surface, underneath it kind of churns and each and every one of us just needs to know that. We all need this sense of of connecting with God. Uh, We're created to connect with the Creator and so we kind of have these moments, right? We get these glimpses when, when, when we get our view of God and we realize all is well and everything's okay. And then we kind of get slapped back by the world and back into life as it goes on. But we long for those moments. We long for what the Bible calls eternal life, knowing God, experiencing God. Our lives are part of God's story. I just think it's about me. Uh, I know that many of you think it's about you. That's kind of how we're wired. But when we stop and we look to him, when we focus on him, all of a sudden everything changes, even though nothing changes around me. Everything changes because all of a sudden I get this glimpse of the God of the universe, and he's in control, and it's part of his story, and I just have a part in it. It's fascinating to see what he's going to do and where he's going in my life you know the Word of God begins with creation just assumes that God is in the beginning God created he was before the beginning right he creates the heavens he creates the earth he creates all the stuff of nature and all everything that we see and we experience he comes along and he creates man men and women he created them and he breathed his life his breath into them and they became living beings and one of the first things that he said to him is be fruitful and multiply be fruitful and multiply here they are in this garden of Eden they have the tree of life in the center they have all these trees he gives them this total freedom to do what they want freedom to make choices just stay connected to me and there's only one rule don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right don't don't decide that you want to be the one that decides what's good and what's evil that's not your call you stay connected to me you continue to trust me I'm the one God said who decides good and evil so they have this incredible start and they're designed to be fruitful and they're designed to stay connected to God and of course we know they they disobeyed we know they doubted God's goodness we know they wanted the knowledge of what was good they wanted to make those calls themselves they wanted to make their own choices and that's our heredity and here they were in paradise and it was lost by their choice And we look around and we realize we don't live in paradise. We look along, not very far away, and we see sin. And we see pain. And we see struggles of this life. I see us kind of, I call it living in the land of the dying. Everybody's in the process of dying on this earth. And here they went from paradise to living in the land of the dying. But, you know, the story, God's story ends as it began. Revelations chapter 22, very last chapter of the Bible. We have a new heaven, we have a new earth. And and he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree... We're for healing the nations. So here we go. We see the story, God's story. It begins in paradise, the tree of life, this connection with God. It ends in a new heaven and a new earth with the tree of life, this connection of God. And here we are living somewhere in between, right? Living in paradise lost. Somewhere in between we're living in this fallen world. And yet Jesus Christ comes and, and God didn't finish the story, and Christ came and he came along and he died on a tree. He died on a tree. His enemies thought that was the tree of death, that cross, but instead it was the tree of life. It allowed us to reconnect with the God of the universe, allowed us in those glimpses, of those moments when we're focused on the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, to experience that paradise that we're all wired to experience, to experience God in his way. We have to understand this is God's story. We have to understand, just like in the Garden of Eden, just like in the Garden of Gethsemane, just like in the garden on the new heaven, the new earth, God is the gardener. He's the creator. He's the vine dresser. It's his story. It's not about me. We have to understand that Jesus Christ is the source of life. He's our connection to the creator. He's the vine. We're the branches of his life. That's our role. We're the branches. We're designed to bear fruit. To be fruitful but to do that we have to be connected to god now we're given a choice just like they were we're all given a choice today we can choose to abide choose to connect to god or not we have that same choice we can choose to choose to trust christ with our situation or not We're doing a study called design to bear fruit it's kind of right in the middle of the study of the life of christ in hd and and we're just looking at jesus's life played out and we're coming towards the end of his life on earth and right before he dies he has these incredible things he wants to share with those closest to him and in john chapter 15 if you have your bibles i'm just going to begin reading in verse 4 jesus is, is talking to his disciples and he says abide in me and i in you As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, he dries up, they gather them, they cast them into the fire, and they're burned. Father, we come to you this day and And we come to you and we acknowledge you as the king of kings, lord of lords. This is your story. And we come as a a small part of that, a speck in eternity, and we just want to hear from you. So, Father, I just pray for each and every one of us that you would speak to us by the power of your spirit. That you would take away all the distractions that are racing through our minds now. And that we would come for these moments and just hear from you. And that you would be magnified you would be glorified in our lives in Jesus name Amen see I believe this this passage is written to believers Uh, Judas was gone Jesus was talking to his disciples he was talking to those who were in me ultimately uh, as the disciples uh, came to uh, to know Christ as he died as he rose he sent the Holy Spirit on them it's designed to be written to those of us who would be in Christ written to believers and Jesus is speaking to them and 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 he's making clear a key right before he's crucified and he says I want you to understand your role little branches your role is to abide your choice is to choose to abide you see we can live like we're not in Christ we can live like we're not redeemed We can live like Christ isn't in us, but we're commanded to abide. It's active. It's not passive. It's an act of your will. It's your choice to abide. Uh, you You know, the presence of God isn't some feeling. The presence of God isn't some kind of random thing that happens to us. Even though at times we feel God's presence, at times we really see him moving, the presence of God is real. He's alive. He's here, always with us whether we choose to accept that truth or not is up to us but he is here he is alive as we say so our job is to abide in him i love that word because it's not used anymore in our society except for in this case but abide i shouldn't say except for but for the most part people just don't use that and how many people talked about it today aside from our study Uh, i just want to abide if you're not talking about a spiritual study you just don't hear it very often But that word abide means to sink into. It means to depend on, to dwell with, to remain in. We would call it like filled with the spirit or walking in the spirit, surrender to Christ. Uh, Some would say it's like the exchange life. I'm exchanging my life for Christ's life. And we have spent so many years of our lives focused on ourselves eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have been bent in on ourselves, we're so used to determining for ourselves what's good and what's evil, we just wanted to find good for ourselves. And, and we're, we get confused to even know when we're abiding and when we're not. But when I'm avi- uh, not abiding, I can tell you what I'm thinking. When I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when I'm in the flesh, if you will, trying to get my needs met apart from God, I'm thinking about myself. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, well, I'm not perfect, I admit it, right? But I'm not as bad as some people I know, right? And I know I mess up. I know I need to be improved. I know there's certain areas of my life that I don't do that well at. I know I need to fix it. I know, I know, I know. But you know what? All in all, I'm a pretty good guy. All in all, I'm not all that bad. You see, the focus is on me, and I'm thinking about my past. I'm thinking about my future. I'm comparing myself to other people. I'm comparing myself to anything but God and his standards. I'm focusing on myself. I'm back eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Abiding requires surrender. It requires me to lay down my weapons to lay down the arms I quit defending myself I'm like God I have nothing I have nothing God I give up I need you I surrender my marriage I surrender my kids I surrender my finances I surrender my business my job I surrender my uh, life I surrender my reputation. It's all yours, God. I need you. And God, if you don't come through, I'm done. You see, somehow we fight this abiding life, but there in those moments when we're forced to surrender is when we experience life to the full, when we experience a sense of just incredible awe at how awesome our God is. I first uh, learned this in my marriage. Probably twenty some years ago, and uh, of course I have to be reminded of it day after day in my marriage now. But Marcia and I were re- really new believers, and you know I was just struggling with trying to be a husband to her, and I just couldn't do it. Um, I just messed it up all the time and I remember being so frustrated we had decided we weren't even believers that we were not going to get divorced it was one of those things that we just decided by an act of our will that that was not something we were gonna do and you know it was like you can hate me your whole life honey but you're stuck with me it's kinda of <laughs> the, the way we thought about it and uh, and we came to Christ and and I just struggled with being a husband to her and I remember one time I was so frustrated I was coming home from work and we lived in Pinedale at the time, and I was going up West Chicago, and, and I was just thinking, I don't want to go home, okay? I don't love her. I can't love her. I don't like her. I can't handle her. I can't be the husband she needs to be. And I just want to run away and go hang out with my friends. And I remember driving by U-Haul, okay, heading towards Pinedale, and I got to the place at U-Haul, and I just said, God, I give I can't love this woman. I can't be a husband to her. I can't do it. I can't fix her. I can't fix my marriage. I can't do it, God. I give up. It's yours. You love her through me or we're done. I can't do it. And it was amazing to see what happened when I surrendered to him. You know what? He did it. (laughs) He loved her and it was incredible to see what god does when we give up and let him and i've experienced that so many times where i've just at the end of myself and i'm like i can't handle my finances god i can't handle my kids god i can't handle being a pastor god i can't handle my job god i need you every week as we're preparing these messages is like god i can't do this i need you that's when we hit abiding. You see, when we have those desperate moments in our lives, we all know what it is to abide, to trust in Christ. And amazingly, we're so trained to take care of ourselves that it only takes a thought to jump us back. And I start thinking, ha, did that pretty good, didn't I? She's pretty lucky to be married to me. (laughs) Just ask her, right? No, don't ask her. So but you know, you know, you start thinking that and immediately you're back in the flesh and it's back about me again. Okay, and and so we know that experience, but I'm convinced we need adversity trials. We need these trials in our lives because we just roll along. We become so preoccupied with ourselves. We start just thinking about ourselves and our stuff and our finances and our friends and and all of a sudden when you hear the words cancer. It stops you in your tracks. When you hear your kids have been in an accident, your world stops. When you hear your business went bankrupt, your job's no more, we're going to have to let you go, the world stops. And all of a sudden, it takes us a while to get our bearings, but it forces us to come back and look at God, and we start realizing that everything is his. Everything is his this is his story. I need you God. I can't pull this off on my own anymore And in those moments, we experience the sweetest things in life We see the God of the universe in real ways and it lasts for a while But I tell you I ache to be able to abide when things are great when things are good. I ache to be able to abide when things are horrible to just count on God every moment of every day. C.S. Lewis kind of uses the description of we're kind of like the, the puppies that love to play in the dirt. We're so trained in it and they get all dirty and you come in and you bring them and you give them a bath and what's the first thing they do? Shake themselves off and want to run back to the dirt, right? They're just back at it. And that's kind of how we live our lives so much, isn't it? We, we run back. But we need to understand that we're nothing more, nothing less than a branch, than a branch, okay? Now branches are just fruit hangers. Branches wait, branches rest, branches receive. Branches bear, they don't produce fruit. Branches are not burnout, they're not working hard, they're not concentrating on themselves, they're not even concentrating on the fruit. Branches don't determine what fruit they bear. Hey, they don't determine when the fruit is produced. They don't determine who picks the fruit. They don't determine how it's used, who's impacted by the fruit. The branches don't determine why the fruit is produced. They don't determine where it's produced. They don't determine the the, the seasons of fruit production. Listen, even when the fruit is picked, the thought is not, what an awesome branch. You don't think that, right? You see, little branches, we're to be so connected with God that people don't know where he leaves off and we begin. And when people see him live his life through us, they think, what an awesome God. What an awesome God. That's really what's natural for us. That's the way we're designed. Branches abide. We're designed to bear fruit. We can only do that by abiding by staying connected to God we just have to ask ourselves are we convinced in the reliability of God you see do you believe that God can really handle your health issue can he handle your marriage can he handle your children your parents your retirement your job situation Is God capable of handling it? Is God good? Do you trust him? Will you surrender it to him? God is good. That's what we learn. Jesus goes on. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I like to describe fruit as just the life of God. Okay, it's the outward expression of Christ in me. It's allowing Christ to live his life through me. That's what fruit is. Paul describes fruit in Galatians chapter 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a picture of fruit. It's difficult to define for great reason because we're not supposed to produce it. We're not supposed to try and copy it. We're supposed to abide. You see, we so often see fruit, often we don't see it, but we'll see it and we'll experience it and we just kind of want to mimic it. It's like what I want to do in my marriage is drive by U-Haul every night on the way home from work, right? And then it'll be okay. Then everything's going to be fine. That's how we are. We find God, to see God work in a situation and we just want to mimic it and we want to try and copy it. We can't do that. Our job is to Abide. We're so trained to decide good and evil for ourselves. We want to be like some machine that just kind of pops out good works, right? We want to just kind of put a little effort in and it'll be okay. (laughs) You can be a pastor and not abide. You can preach a sermon and not abide. You can, you can serve at church and not abide. You can help the poor and not abide. As a matter of fact, helping the poor and not abiding, similar to stealing from them. The ultimate results. You see, it's all done based on what we've decided is good and evil rather than trusting God is good and allowing him to live his life through us. We're so convinced that the active part of the Christian life is bearing fruit. We're convinced the active part of the Christian life is being good and doing good. That's the passive part of the Christian life. The active part is abiding is surrendering to God, is giving up and trusting Him. Life is what bears fruit and it's silent and it's natural and it's restful. That word for bear means to carry, it means to bring along. And the verb form of it's used in, in uh, the book of Second Peter where, where he's laying out about the truth of the word of God and, and he says, you know, there's first of all know this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of the human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. There's our word, moved, born along. And it's not the same word as to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not the same word as to be guided by or to be directed by. No, to be born. When you're born, the one move contributes nothing to the movement induced just carried along. It's like a ship, a sailboat at the sea carried along by the waves and the wind, moved along. That's what they did. These guys, the authors of Scripture, express the mind of God. He moved in their lives. There's a great deal of work that's done for Christ that's not fruit of the Spirit. It's impossible to produce the fruit. That's God's job produce being to manufacture or 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 to do or to perform right we're to surrender we're to abide totally different picture so we have this choice today we can choose to abide or not I hope that becomes a really simple message our choice is abide or not as we abide we bear fruit if not everything we produce is worthless everything I'm trying. To produce that's good is worthless as I abide I bear fruit and the results play out when we're not abiding we're not fulfilled we're somehow missing this life of God God knows what's best for us God loves us he knows right where we are he knows that he made us to trust him to dwell in him to surrender to him to abide in him and as we do we're fulfilled now John chapter 15 verse 6 goes on and it says if anyone does not abide in me he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they're burned it's a pretty chilling verse it's pretty just frightening verse really it kind of stops you and thinks what's he telling us what's he trying to say i thought he was speaking to believers here and there's all kinds of opinions theologically what this verse means You'll get all kinds of ideas. Many think it's it's people that, that aren't truly believers, and they're, they're not truly believers, and they're cast out. They're just kind of along for the ride, but they don't really believe. But I, I, I've i come to the conclusion years ago that I peacefully believe about this verse, and, and I think I first heard it from Chuck Swindoll, and I was just, you know, it's been years. As a matter of fact, I was looking the other day trying to find out where that was, and it was like in the 70s is when he taught it, okay? It wasn't that I was alive in the seventies? Oh yeah, no, I was, but I wasn't listening to him in the seventies. But I listened to him way later. But anyway, you know the interesting thing about that is, is when you think about this being two believers, every branch in me, in Christ, as believers were in Christ, He's in us. Okay, it's not about losing our salvation. It's not at all about losing our salvation. Our salvation is secure. Uh, Even a few verses back and a few chapters back in John, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They They know me. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved, and God is holding on to us. We're not holding on to him. We are secure in Christ. This isn't talking about losing your salvation. But if we live like we're not in Christ, if we live like we're not forgiven, if we live like pagans, like unbelievers, if we live independent of God, God loves us so much that he disciplines us to turn us back to trusting him because that's what's best for us. And that happens through trials often, adversity trials, maybe prosperity trials. He loves us, He wants us to trust Him. And if we don't respond and we rebel, the discipline increases. And if we rebel more, the discipline increases. And I believe the discipline goes all the way up to physical death. The Father comes in. If we won't abide, we dry up, we're thrown away like a branch. If anyone does not abide in me he's thrown away like a branch that singular branch okay and I mean you see it played out in Scripture in 1st Corinthians where he's talking about communion they were living like the, the body of Christ did not save them for sin they were living like the blood of Christ did not allow them to be into the New Covenant and Paul and I said man that's why some of you are sick that's why some of you are weak that's why some of you have even fallen asleep okay they died but catch this look it up in your in your studies, 1 Corinthians 11.32, at the end of that, that section, he says this, but when we are judged, that word is, is chastised, when we are chastised, we're disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. Isn't that an incredible truth? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ. We are secure in Christ. He will discipline us even up to the point of physical death so we will not lose our salvation. Praise the Lord. He loves us that much. We need to realize that those who are walking away from God, those who are rebelling against God, God is working in their lives. And actually, a a Christian who's living like a non-Christian, a non-believer, is the most miserable person on earth because the Holy Spirit is convicting them. God is working to draw them to him. He goes on and he says in verse 6, though, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch, singular, and he dries up. But then he goes on and he says, they gather them, plural, they cast them into the fire, plural, and they're burned, plural. You see, he gathers them. He casts them into the fire. Not the believer, but the works done in the flesh. That's what's burned, Paul even tells us that's how it's going to play out at the Bema seat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse in there, is it like 10 or 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, well, verse 10 if you start. According to the grace of God which has been given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another's building on upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it. The great day, right, will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon remains, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved yet as through fire i know there's a lot of things i've done in my life for god that's going to be weren't burned up it's worthless i've done it for myself i've done it in my strength i've decided what's good and i've tried to do it but there's things when we just abide in christ when we allow him to live through us those things will be rewarded for at the bema seat second corinthians talks about that right we almost appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat where the athletes got their rewards. And why are we appearing there? For that we may be recompensed for the deeds we have done in the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. But that word bad is false. It's worthless or useless. See, we're rewarded for the things we've done good. The other things are worthless and they fade away. It's an amazing thing to think about what God has in store for us, how much he loves us. The things we do in the flesh, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean flesh trying to get our needs met apart from God. When we're acting apart from God, when we're not abiding, it's worthless. But don't despair. You know, God brought us here today to encourage us wherever we are in our lives wherever you are whatever you're walking through whatever your situation maybe you're walking away from God he's here to draw you back to him maybe you're going through a difficult time that you can't handle he wants you to know that he can handle it that it's his story he wants you to trust him and to abide in him and to rest in him to surrender to him and as we choose to abide and Pat's gonna talk more about this next week but as we choose to abide you get a few things right here that Jesus says is gonna happen in verse 7 he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it's gonna be done for you as we abide in Christ our prayers are gonna be answered as we abide verse 8 says by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as we abide God is glorified just as the Father has loved me and I have also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you realize as we abide in Christ, we're overwhelmed with the love of God? Do you realize that God loves you just like he loves Jesus Christ? He likes you. He loves you. He wants to pour that love out on you. Your job is just to abide. Abide. He goes on and he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. This is the joy of God, the joy of Jesus Christ in you, and that your joy may be made full. Do you see as we abide, do you think it's a bad thing? It's an awesome thing. We ache for that. We just don't know how to describe it. What we ache for is to abide in Christ. And as we do, our prayers are answered. As we do, God's glorified. As we do, we're overwhelmed with the love of God. As we do, we are filled with joy that we can't even describe. It's what we are made for. It's what we are designed for. It's what we crave. Our job is to choose to abide, to choose to surrender to Christ, to trust him, to get to that point in our lives where we say, God, I need you. I can't handle this father we come to you today and each and every one of us comes here with struggles we come here desperate for you we come here father and we acknowledge you as king of kings you as lord of lords we come here father and we desire to trust in you to surrender to you we desire father to abide in you so god i just pray that you would speak to each one of us that you would show us the areas in our lives where we're going on our own strength, where we're trusting ourselves, and we just come to you right now and lay them at your throne, lay them at the cross. Thank you for the privilege of letting us experience a glimpse of paradise, the incredible, amazing grace of the God of the universe who dwells with us, and may you be glorified through us as a body, of believers and as individuals. Amen.